Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Florida Prospect Report. I'm your co-host, Bailey, here with my co-host, Eric. Eric, what's up? Happy Monday, Bailey. Uh, as we transition from May to June, it's 95 degrees out all day, every single day, and we're still watching baseball, so uh, I hope your skin is safe, and uh, we've got some good stuff to talk about. Yeah, I got to be wearing a lot of sunscreen. It's hot out here. Um, But that won't stop us from watching baseball, as you know. And um, we're going to start this episode with a quick announcement. Um, At the end of this week on Friday, I'll be starting an internship, a scouting internship at Perfect Game USA over in Fort Myers. So I'm really excited about that. And shout out to Eric for uh, sending me the link to that uh, uh, application really appreciate it so yeah i'm really excited about that good well you should it's kind of like when i'm looking for opportunities for me i just kind of think like how i would handle it like is it something that i really love am i going to be able to like embrace it and want to do it every single day and when i saw that listing i was like wait i know someone that this fits perfectly maybe even is overqualified so i'm glad that the uh, you made it happen and Hopefully you'll start learning a lot and maybe eventually like teach me some scouting stuff. Yeah, here's hoping. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah. it. And sure, there'll be a lot to talk about in future podcast episodes, whether it's, you know, uh, what I see at Perfect Game or even, you know, I'm sure I'll be going to a lot of games, Mighty Muscles or FCL or stuff like that. So that'll be great. And uh, to kick things off, I would love to talk about the Palm Beach Cardinals. Um cool. They're doing really well fighting in their division and a very nice roster. Uh, First off, on the pitching side, I think that they have right now the best pitching staff, like possibly in recent memory for the the Palm Beach Cardinals. They got Cade Winquest, Pete Hansen, Bryson Mouts, Max Rochich. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But those four are all drafted in the 2022 MLB draft. Um, one was a second round, one was a third. And I mean, they're all just performing really well. Um, m- most notably, I saw Pete Hansen last week. He carried a no hitter into the seventh inning. Should have had a, a chance at a perfect game, but you know, the automatic, automated strike zone squeezed him. But he looked really good. And he's not even like, uh, he doesn't have a dominant fastball. It's more just a command kind of guy. And he was really fun to watch. Like, uh, you know, Jupiter just did not stand much of a chance against him. And they brought him out to after a long bottom of the seventh, um, in which Palm Beach was up like something silly, like six nothing, eight nothing. They brought him back out to pitch at the top of the eighth, which was not the best decision. He let up like a base runner or two and they pulled him. But, you know, seven scoreless innings, I want to say nine Ks. You know, Pete Hansen looked really good. And all the other guys too. I saw Windquest a couple weeks ago. He looked great. My dad's seen uh my dad has seen Mouts and uh, Ratchet pick uh, pitch, so sorry about the pronunciation. But yeah, the, you know, I think you're getting it right. If not <laughs> right, you're very close. All right, well, I'll take it. You know, just keep an eye on these uh, Cardinal pitchers. Obviously, you know, uh, a year ago this week, Tink Hens made his debut with the Palm Beach Cardinals, and you know, now he's like a top fifty prospect in baseball. They also got you know Cooper Jerpy and and guys like that. So. Uh, you know, the Cardinals know how to go after pitchers. They, you know, Matthew Liborator was promoted last week and pitched five scoreless. So 
this is a organization that knows how to develop pitchers, and they got a lot of lot of lot more good ones coming up through the system. So, uh, I would when say pay attention. When I saw uh, the rotation that you're speaking of, the very end of April against maybe a lineup that's slightly ahead of Jupiter, but really in the same like lower tier, that was Lakeland. Those four kind of showed me, hey, this is a good team, and here's why. This is the foundation of us. Even on nights when we don't get a lot of hits and the offense is hard to come by, we're going to have decent defense and we're going to have great starting pitching. And our starting pitching, because they're from college, can last multiple innings. Uh, a lot of ups and downs, uh, you know, like like many, many, many frames. They didn't have to get into their bullpen unless the situation called for it. So I was also pretty impressed with uh, with the Cardinals. I don't know if they're going to be like the top tier team, but from like I, I didn't know anything about them. So that was like my initial impression. And I agree with you. They're very, very impressive. And take a step back it's a sign of an organization that prioritizes development even in the lower minors you know for people like us it's really great to see absolutely um you know it's no wonder they're winning all these games and you know when you look on the hitting side it, it makes even more sense if it's they're not just doing it with their pitching staff i mean they got leonardo bernal at catcher in the outfield they got juan bincho Michael Curiel, and then at first base is R.J. Yeager. Uh, Yeager yep. Curiel should be gone by the end of the month, honestly. I think they should get promoted. They've been playing so well. Curiel, um, I'm looking up his stats right now to keep it uh, accurate, but I know for most of the season he's been hovering around a uh, 400 uh, batting average. It's dropped That's a little bit. Batting average, yes. It's dropped a little bit to 352, but his OPS is still over 1,000. Just one on run. He's not much of a power hitter, but He's been really good this year. And, you know, Leonardo Bernal uh, is WRC plus, is uh, way above league average. And Juan Bencho, who had a slow start to the season in the past month, has really uh, kicked it into the second gear. I think he just needed a little bit of time to develop, uh, in, you know, against the pitching uh, that he's facing. And, it's, you know, it's his first full season, but he's looked really good as of late. Um, you know, he's uh, – they signed him out of uh, South Korea. He's a power speed bat, and he's looked really good, and especially on defense. I like what I've seen on defense, too. Saw him playing right field. And uh, back to Bernal for a second. Uh, 400 on-base percentage, 290 wow. average. This is a catcher, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, two hits, three steals. I mean, you know, they. this is the uh, organization that developed Yadier Molina, and they got Ivan Herrera waiting in the wings, as well as some other guys. You know, Andrew. I don't. You know, I don't think Andrew Kisner is the guy, and they've been weird with Wilson Contreras. So, give it some time, and maybe down the line, Leonardo Bernal is your is your guy at catcher. Remember, Cho. Speaking of like his slow start and his adjustment, when he was signed internationally, the videos of him, he was kind of undersized, but he still demonstrated man-sized metrics. He could hit the ball hard and very far for a guy with that body. Now, when you see him in person, he's considerably larger. Like, he, he looks like built more like, like an athlete, and his metrics, ha you have to imagine that they've followed suit. So it took him a couple weeks to, like, get used to the heat, get used to the routine, and get used to the difference in competition from, from where he's been. And 
just just talking about him, we talk, you know, you and I, we have this podcast so we can introduce and discuss players that we've seen first. There's another player, another uh, player from, uh, from uh, I think it's Korea. That's the Pirates international pick, Jung Suk Shim. I saw him last week, and he's another player that's supposed to have out of this world metrics and athleticism but hasn't faced the level of competition that some lower minors performers have. I saw him last week and I'll tell you his fastball is the best fastball I've seen at Pirate City since Bubba Chandler's fastball. It has all kinds of movement. You don't have to see it. You hear it. It's a, di- it's a difference making pitch, but the secondaries have some work to do to get up to that level and it also, he went 1.2 innings, and it kind of looked like the extreme heat was a factor for him, especially with long counts. So, you know, the adjustment period that he goes through will be the next couple months, and it'll be fun to watch also. But uh, he's another guy that I just have a feeling the Pirates made a, a, smart, a very smart choice and a smart investment with him. I, I think he's going to accelerate through the minors once he gets started, kind of like Joe. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, just to confirm, Shim is indeed from South Korea, and he's a really right. exciting arm. Um, right. I remember reading a port report. I'm pulling it up from Fangraphs right now. Um, maybe it wasn't this one specifically, but it was basically they were saying, you know, if Shim was uh, draft eligible, like this is a guy who would go pretty early. Like, he's... He, you know, he's similar age to a high school draftee, but he has that electric stuff. And just a little more on Cho, because I really like what I've seen as of late. Um, Me too. In April, he's had 54 at-bats. In May, he has 52. In April, 622 OPS with a 148 average, you know, below the Mendoza line. In the month of May, 365 average, 882 OPS. He, he looks very comfortable. Uh, 13 steals on the year. Ooh. Uh, striking. The interesting thing is, he struck out just as much in April as he has in May, so that hasn't been the issue. But he's just making a lot more contact. And, so the contact, right. Right, so he looks very comfortable right now. And, you know, um, I like what I've seen a lot. And I also uh, got to see the Daytona Tortugas a bunch in May. Um, yes. and, and that roster is so stacked. Uh, yes. it, it's a you know, real bummer that Leonardo uh, Balcazar got hurt. I feel really feel from Torres ACL. He was – on his way to becoming a top 100 prospect, if not a lot higher. Um, but they also got uh, Cam Collier, Hector Rodriguez, and Carlos Jorge, you know, the one, two, three in that line. I mean, it's just so, so stacked. It's crazy to me. Collier is not the best hitter in the lineup in terms of production right now. I mean, you look at Carlos Jorge and Hector Rodriguez's stats. I mean, they're just, uh, in, you know, in a league of their own right now. Uh, Rodriguez, by the way, believe the uh reds got him for like two months of tyler naikman you know and it just makes you think even more about the uh you know the mets trade history you know they gave away andy rodriguez for joe oh see i mean you know it's just you know it just seems like they're not identifying those low minors guys well you know hector and andy are probably guys you don't want to give away uh, okay i'm gonna interrupt i'm sorry to cut you off no sure. thank at three weeks ago, at when Daytona came, and we're talking about Cam, at, we love Cam, as great as he is. 
He's just not the best right now. And we're going to talk about another team who's great, whose best player isn't their best right now also. So, you know, there's there's a parallel there. But my friend James, who's a Reds fan, was like, you don't know this prospect. This is like three weeks ago. Okay? You don't know this guy that the Reds traded Tyler Naquin away and got Hector Rodriguez. I'm telling you, in terms of skill, I really think he might be like on Cam's level. That was like the very beginning of May. In May, since my boy James, I love to give him a shout a shout out, said that he batted 370 on base, 400, slugging 630 in May. Since my guy told me about him. Okay, so that that is how you prove yourself to be a smart minor leaguers or a scout person. If you don't know about Hector, the little center fielder, he can play and he can hit and he can run. So great trade. And, and James, I guess this is my way of saying you're, you're correct. But Daytona, right, they have a very exciting roster, including including Hector. Yeah, I scooped Hector up in a couple of first year player drafts back in like February. Um, so I have him on a, on a lot of my teams. I'm I'm I really like what I see, and you know I feel like there's some uh, size bias or height bias rather in the uh, prospect industry because he's five foot eight, so it feels like you get dinged a little for that. But I mean, yes, I did just call, I did just call, I did just call him a little guy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's got you know, he's OPS is almost nine. Um, it's almost 900. He's a 137 WRC plus. One of the best hitters in the Florida State League right now. I Correct. Mean, who knows how much longer he'll be in Daytona? I wouldn't be surprised if they if they pushed him a little bit. But um, you know, I I really like uh, what I've seen from Hector. And you know, Carlos Jorge is a guy who um, people have been on since you know he first signed. Like the tools were tantalizing, and he's proved everyone uh, who's been in on him right. You know, every step of the way, just you know, hitting well in the complex league, and now he's tearing it up in the. Uh, Florida State League, which just, you know, continues to go to show that uh, the Cincinnati Reds farm system is just wonderful. They they know what they're doing over there. Yep. And they get and they get a lot of talent, by the way, just interesting to note that of the the two guys that we just named, both of them were like kind of off prospect lists at the beginning of the year. And it's only May. We're not till June. And they are both front and center as far as prospect risers. So Red's not only identifying talent, but developing it and getting a lot out of it. Uh, I, I don't know how to say Carlos Jorge, also not extremely tall. I guess, <laughs> but a lot, you know, put, puts up a lot of stats and is, is a very good player. So kudos to the Reds. I guess the, the, a, a team that I want to talk about that I saw uh, this weekend with our friend Greg, I went twice. That's really, really awesome. Definitely the class of the Florida State League. Maybe the class of the minor leagues is Clearwater. The Threshers are just so loaded. They have so many ways to beat you, so many playmakers, like and, and great chemistry. It's just, you know, every now and then, as a minor league observer, you're really impressed with what is, is in front of you, like the Marauders were in 2021. There's just so many different ways to win. Whatever it took that night, they were going to do it. So Clearwater has a, a, a great roster. Every You think their best player would and should be Justin Crawford, and he's great. But he doesn't have a home run. He doesn't have a lot of extra base hits. 
he's not, you know, he plays four games out of six. You know, he's not like an everyday guy. It's really, you know, no, no knock on Crawford. He's awesome, but it's really just more of a, a team thing. And when you look at pitchers, I mean, they, they throw a lot of pitching skill and pitching ability at you all game long starters and bullpen. So I guess that's my way of giving a lot of respect to, to the Clearwater Thrashers before we like dig into their roster and any names. How many times have you seen them this year? Not yet. I'm hoping to see them on Wednesday. My schedule's looking pretty good. So, uh, Port of uh, St. Lucie, right, right, right. Yeah. So I'm hopeful, but no, they got a, a really good roster. I'm, I'm actually more excited. I've seen, you know, the, the biggest names on that roster are all guys I've seen, you know, in college or in high school, uh, like Crawford and uh, Rinconis. But I'm actually, I think I'm more excited to see Rinconis than Crawford because he's been really good. And I uh, only saw him once in college, but uh, I, you know, uh, Florida kid. So, you know, he's got a fan right here. Okay. Uh, the outfielder of Marion Boyd has a faster first step than Crawford. I can't even believe I'm saying that, but I watched it. It's amazing. And he needs a defensive, maybe after you watch him play, like he needs a defensive themed nickname because you can ask Greg, and I hope you do ask Greg, like three times line drives were hit near him that looked like they were definite hits, like hits. And he just stepped in one direction and took it away and made plays that other people could not make with quickness look extremely easy. Then he gets hits into the power alley. And because he is so fast, they're not singles, they're doubles. You know, on a, on a good team, he is that igniter type of player. I'm telling you, for the minor leagues, him and Crawford, one, two, and then Rinconis behind him, that's that's quite dangerous before we like even look at their 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 whole team. So he's great. Uh the guy that you might also get a chance, the pitch he started on Saturday was a high strikeout per nine guy, Estebinson Jimenez. I got outstanding video of him, uh regular speed and slow-mo. He attacks all, you know, he's just one of those. He's, he's not a lefty, so you can't call him a crafty lefty. But I saw, not because of fatigue, like four different variations of delivery and release, like five to six different ty types of pitches, like three breaking balls, uh, a tumbler changeup. Like he's got a lot. And hitters were all were totally off balance, off timing, didn't, didn't guess right often. So he really was way ahead of them. Uh, that's a guy that might be worth a dynasty pickup. Estebinson Jimenez, among among other Clearwater stars. Definitely. I also think Amarian Boyd is worth a dynasty pickup, too, in deep leagues. He's got an interesting tool set. And yep. uh, while you talk, uh, continue to talk about the Threshers, I'm going to uh, talk about the Dunedin Blue Jays, but not a current Dunedin Blue Jay. I'm talking about a guy who was a 2021 FSL All-Star. He okay. Had, 28 home runs in 2021, 30 in 2022 in AA, and he's repeating AA this year. Um, he has not had a WRC plus above 100 since low A in 2021, and he's never had an on-base percentage above 300 since that FSL stint in 2021. I think I know who you're talking about. And, Go ahead. I'm not going to guess. Go ahead. And Orelvis Martinez – 
is so interesting because he has a 151 batting average this year. That's really bad. He has a 226 on base percentage. Whoa. And those numbers are both lower than he had last year in double A. He has 18 hits on the year in 119 at bats. That's very bad. But <laughs> of those 18 hits, he has four singles, one double, one triple, and 12 home runs. It's so weird because, like, you know, he, he's coming off a 30 home run year in which he didn't, you know, get on base enough and he was, you know, three points above the Mendoza line. He's now hitting the ball less and getting on base dramatically less. And yet he's homering at a higher rate than he did last year. Like, I don't even know what to make of this. He's he's statistically a worse hitter than last year, but he's hitting more home runs. Like, feels like if the Blue Jays or some other organization can, like, I, I don't want to say, like, fix his approach, but, like, you know, get him to change the, you know, something. I mean, we might have, you know, what we thought he could be in 2021, like a ge genuine superstar. I mean, he has some of the best raw power in all of minor league baseball. And mind you, he's only 21. He turns 22 in November, um, you know, one day after your birthday. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, it's just – it's he's such an interesting prospect. I did not know that he and I were almost birthday buddies. How, have you, how many times do you think you've seen him play? Robles Martinez, I want I want to say once. I oh, should yeah. have seen him twice. I've seen him like five or six times. I agree with you. Like for the minor leagues, his power is outstanding. And and also for his size and frame, he's not a not a large person, but he generates a lot of torque and a lot of uppercut. So I I bet I mean it's it's weird to start off that way, but it's not it doesn't sound like totally unbaseball. I bet things will normalize. And over the course of the season, his singles will float up a little bit. His strikeouts will float down, hopefully a little bit. And his extra base hits will go to a range like that's more more in line with his his expected career results. So, yeah, the Blue Jays should definitely not give up on, on Aurelis. But, man, you add up his average and on base, it's still not even that high of a, of, of a baseball number. He's doing awful. In both, of them. I'm I'm really surprised because I, I I always thought he was a good hitter, a good run producer too. Right. I mean, if we dig in a little bit more, um, really uh -huh. low BABIP, unsurprisingly, 0.78, but much better hitter in May than April. In April, 0 0.089 was his batting average, and he only got on base one uh, uh, sixteen percent of the time. You know, but I thought you were going to say one time in April. <laughs> I was debating if I should read the numbers or just say a percentage. But uh, in May, you know, he's above the Mendoza line. I'll be only by six points. But the on-base percentage is 286. And honestly, if he can hover around there for the season and bop 40 home runs, like, that'll work for a, a player like that, especially a corner infielder. So he's such a uh, fascinating prospect. I actually right. trade for him today. Didn't, uh, you know, I gave up Stuart Fairchild and Stone Garrett, who are, you know, productive this season in the uh, – in the major leagues, but I'd rather, you know, take a chance on the uh, once uh, once top 100 prospect. So, 
Uh, speaking of birthday buddies, by the way, very randomly, Hector Rodriguez is one day older than me. So one day. Yeah, this is you can't get this kind of analysis anywhere else. You should let him know. I should next time. Hopefully, I'll see Daytona again this year. I, I I'd love to get to see him play again. A pair of rising stars. <laughs> have you seen? By the way, have you seen St. Lucie this year? I think you have not. I saw them once. Um, Were they bad? They're they're pretty bad. Uh, not great. Um, there's some bright spots on the team. Uh, I like Jacob Reimer a lot, and okay. Jet Williams is their leadoff hitter, and he's pretty he's pretty exciting. But um, they've had better rosters in the past, I would say. Right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's a nice way of saying it. By the way, also just randomly talking about the Florida State League because we love it and we go all the time. Uh, Greg and I looked at the standings uh, yesterday. I, I I know it's not June. I think we can safely say that Clearwater is the first half Florida State champion already. They're they're not far ahead of Fort Myers, but they're ahead of them too. So I I'm com- I don't know if as a show we can say it, but I'm comfortable with with making that that concession. I think Clearwater is going to win it at least for the first half this year. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's hard to argue that they've got a really good roster. Um, but I do like what I've seen from Fort Myers a lot this year. Uh, right. you know, I can rattle off some names real quick. Jarrell Ortega, Andrew Cassetti, Dalton Shuffield. Those are all uh, hitters who are looking really good. And then, you know, they got um, Debbie Matthews on the mound. And uh, uh, they got uh, um, Morris and um, – there's another guy, the, the knuckleballer. It's Corey. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to butcher his name, but he actually uh, he threw the no hitter last week. I don't know how to say it either. Uh, I don't want to mess up his last name. I'm looking it up right now, but uh, Corey Lewis. It was easy last name. I actually saw him pitch this year. I don't know why that one I messed up on, but yeah, Corey Lewis. Yeah. Um, poor Myers looked really good, uh, both pitching wise and hitting wise. It's a shame that Clearwater is just that good this year. That you know, right. Division's not that competitive, but um, there's a lot of names in the twin system to keep up with. And, you know, um, one other name who's not on Fort Myers this year, but was last year, a guy we both love, who I want to make sure we mention in this episode, is Kalai Rosario. Um, you know, we, Eric and I were actually on a podcast uh, earlier this week. Uh, it was Pitcherless on the Farm. Thank you to the host Lamar for having us on. Um, we were talking about Kalai on that. Uh, podcast. I think it's only uh, just that we talk about him here. Uh, his he's actually his stats are even better, you know, today than they were a week ago. He's been that hot. On base percent is three ninety four, slugging four fifty eight, WRC plus forty seven. You know, the the one thing is he has insane raw power and just three home runs in thirty six games. So, um, you know, you would like to see that. It's, he's going to hit more as you know the Midwest League heats up, but. He's going to, at the very least, finish in double A this year, I would safely say, and maybe even triple A. I mean, he's already cut down the strikeout rate. Um, so this is a guy we both like a lot. I, I, the Twins are not not like oh, – I don't want to use this word. They don't push guys over – they're kind of in the middle. I think triple A is, like, too far, too lofty an expectation, only because the big guy is 20 years old. He's just, you know, the twins don't do that with like their kid prospects that aren't like number one overall or number five. Like maybe if 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 it was Brooks Lee, maybe. But I think Rosario is just gonna percolate a little bit more. 
and get a little bit bigger and stronger and dominate this low and mid-level pitching, maybe start out there next year on a different type of maybe a higher minors accelerated part. But yeah, of course we love Rosario. He's athletic and he's very strong. And the Twins player development system has, has plenty of good examples. Hopefully there will be a middling Orioles pitcher that they want. And we can trade that middling Orioles pitcher for like Rosario and uh, their best FCL pitcher again, like last year. So, oh man, let's let's let some of their players keep percolating like they're doing. No, it bought it honestly. It bothers me so much reading Orioles Twitter in the past couple couple of weeks with you know Yenier Cano turning into the best reliever in baseball this year because like they're still trying to say it was a bad trade, and I'm just like. Jorge Lopez is on the last year of his contract. And you got Yannir Cano, who's obviously, you know, Yannir Cano, best believer in baseball this year. They got So that would have been a swap right there. Right there. Stop there. Great trade. Secondly, they got Juan Rojas, who's pitching well. They got Cade Povich, who some people are ranking as a top 100 prospect. I mean, I, I just – I, I don't know how you – and they got one more player, too, as Eric – Yes, his, Juan Rojas, who I sat next to at the extended spring training game today, he said he's getting closer. He's already in phase two of his throwing program. So it wasn't an official Tommy John. It was uh, elbow slash arm injury, and he's already on the way back. And he was the one that we saw the day when we were together, and he is supposed to be the best minor league pitcher or low minors pitcher in the deal. So, right. Orioles Twitter, sorry about that. You're you're zero for one on arguing against that trade. Even if we had Jorge Lopez, we wouldn't have Yanni or Cano. Exactly. There you go. There you go. I don't want to, you know, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, but that that's just me. And uh, speaking of another rookie pitcher uh, besides Yanni or Cano, uh, let's talk a little bit about Yuri Perez. Uh, I was actually at his uh, debut, and look, he held the Reds in check for the most part. Things got a little out of hand. Um, in the fifth inning, but looked really promising. And then in the second outing, looked a lot better against the Nationals. You know, youngest player in Marlins history, pitcher or hitter, um, first player born in 2003 to ever make the majors. I mean, this is, you know, 20-year-old pitcher just looking like he belongs. So, you know, I think uh, if I mean, he's got a shot at rookie of the year, but Ultimately, I don't think that's what the Marlins care about right now. I think they care about making the wild card and having a guy like Yuri pitching every five days. You know, they're still hovering around 500. I mean, and Solaire's looking good. I, you know, hopefully they'll get San- uh, Jesus Sanchez back soon. I mean, they got a chance. And, you're, you're, you know, with Sandy being shaky this year, Yuri's a guy to help stabilize the rotation. So I'm very happy that he's already in the majors. Top pitching prospects. Yuri versus Grayson, who would you prefer? Um, you know, it's interesting. If you asked me before the season, um, I think it would have been a lot closer. Yep. I probably would have gone with Yuri anyway because of the uh, because of Grayson's injuries last year. But I think it's a, it's a lot safer to say Yuri now. Uh, he's younger than Grayson. Um, I think it's safe to say he's got I – don't, I don't know if he can say he has better stuff, but he's, he's – got the height advantage and you know Grayson um it's just he's been struggling so far in that Baltimore rotation it's so funny you're making it sound like not only is Grayson bad but he's short 
Jason Rodriguez is not short. It's just He's anyone standing right. next to Yuri Perez is going to be short. I know. It's just it's it's just funny. I think that I am biased and I'm not objective. And I love Yuri Perez. I consider him a top pitching prospect. I would have chosen Grayson before the year, and I still, despite his like six ERA and his one point six WHIP, I think I still would choose Grayson right now. I think yeah, I'm not going to say he's getting his brain speed in. He had one 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 of those type of starts, but he's learning on the fly against some higher quality offenses and real level AL East type hitters. And I'm pretty sure he's the kind of athlete that's going to learn from those lessons and uh, have a, have a quick turnaround because of what he got from, from those lessons. So I think they're both really great and it's almost like a coin flip or 50, 50, but I'm going to go with the Oriole cause I like him and I watched yeah, him. I, I watched him go from like, I don't know, 18 years old to 22 or something like that in the Orioles system. So I'm really like basing it, basing it on that. And speaking of the Orioles system, I don't know if you have any other topics that you really want to hit, but I want to discuss the the Orioles extended spring training roster and uh, a couple players from there. So yeah, go for it. So I've been going to the Orioles uh, extended spring training games over the last couple of weeks. The season is actually very close to ending and the FCL season starts June 5th. But there's a couple of players that I wanted to spotlight for Orioles fans and prospect fans in general. Uh, first, before I go into it, I did write an article. If reading is a better way for you to uh, memorize some of these players, you can find it on uh, utahstreetreport.com that's who I write for sometimes but the Orioles are now spending money internationally and they've gotten several players that are kind of like impact type of athletes and already starting to show their skills immediately despite a uh, different level of experience. First guy on the extended spring training team however is not an international player. The, pit, the only pitcher I'm going to highlight right now that is last year's uh, late-round draft pick from the Tampa area, Zach Showalter. Uh, one thing that is easy to notice when I'm at these games is that he is pitching a level above this competition, despite the fact that he came from high school and some of these people have been uh, competing amateur-wise for, for years. He is awesome. The Orioles made a great find with Zach Showalter. Kind of tall, 6'2", 200 pounds in pretty good shape but his pitches do whatever he wants he's a righty that just crushes both righties and lefties in this league i see him not spending too much more time here he just simply doesn't need to and we go to catcher they have uh yasno bucci he's built like a bouncer he has a great arm he's a lefty with a smooth stroke he got a single today they brought up a righty uh, last week, that's Anudis Mordon. He has a reputation as a run producer. He's gotten a hit and had a RBI in every game he's played so far, including his first home run. Uh, so, uh, Bucci, lefty, Mordon, righty. Then we go to the infield. We have Edwin Amparo, Leandro Arias, and Aaron Estrada. I hate to, like, group people together, but really, they're all, like, leadoff type, high average, high on base will take pitches type of players who like to steal and just don't have that over the fence pop so far. 
of the three of them, I think Leandro Arias has the ability to reach the power alleys in the warning track with the most consistency. He's a switch hitter, and he can hit it far from, from both sides. I think in terms of first step, probably Amparo has the best. In terms of infield hands, I'd probably go with Estrada. Best all-around player slash athlete, I would say uh, Leandro Arias. So there's that that group right there. Then they have uh, one impact player in the outfield. That's Braylon Tavara. That's their highest uh, international signing from 2021. Just looks like a very smooth, uh, athletic outfielder. You know, the kind of guy whose skills translate really quickly. He doesn't have trouble with any particular pitch. Doesn't have like weird swing tendencies. You can just tell that he's a, a, a younger athlete and he's putting up okay numbers, throwing people out, using his speed to make plays. So he's adjusting to this level of, of competition really well. Um, they have a, a game tomorrow, actually, Tuesday. We're recording this on a Monday. Tuesday, that's John Means, Orioles starter, is making his debut. So if you hear this and you are anywhere near Northport, be there tomorrow at noon and you can watch John Means pitch against 17 and 18-year-olds. And I'll have, I'll have another, another week's worth of information on this team before the rookie league starts, but that's my uh, Orioles extended spring synopsis. Shout out to Toby Welk for his two doubles, one single, and three RBIs today that helped us win five to two. Yeah, you know, if I was already over on that coast uh, I would and had the day off, I would definitely be uh, meeting you in Northport. That's pretty cool to see John Means in that kind of environment. Um, and those are some really exciting names, uh, you know, yep. Arias, Showalter, all those guys. I'm I'm hoping to see him this summer with you as well. And, um, you know, I think uh, something that's really been uh, interesting to follow for me on, on, on social media right now is uh, got, uh, people talking about who the new top prospect in baseball is going to be, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of real life or fantasy, you know, because everyone was like, it was either Gunnar Henderson or it's Corbin Carroll. Well, they both graduated. And some people were saying, you know, Francisco Alvarez for at least for real life, but he's going to graduate very soon too. So, you know, in the off season, uh, on this very podcast, I said, Ellie Dela Cruz may be the top prospect in baseball already, but if he's not, the only people I put ahead of him are Carroll and Gunner. I stand by that. I think Ellie is the top prospect in baseball right now. He's in triple a, um, started the year there, uh, late due to an injury, but in, in 27 games, Seven homers, seven stolen bases. He's walking more than he did last year. He's striking out less. He has an OPS of nearly 1,000, 137 WRC+, batting average 281. I mean, this guy's the real deal. I love Ellie De La Cruz. I've been yeah. a big fan of him ever since I saw him, you know, when he, in his first month at the Tortugas back in 2021. Um, but there's one guy who I could see an argument for ahead of Ellie, I give Ellie the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, put him ahead just because he's in AAA. But Jackson Holiday, speaking of Orioles, I mean, yeah. I think he's the number two behind Ellie. And, you know, I also got to give credit to Jackson Churio. I think he's in the conversation as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jackson Holiday is just, I mean, these people on Twitter have been describing him as unconscious. I don't know if I love that word, but Me I mean, either. I think just, does not make sense how good he's been in low A, you know, 225 WRC plus, you know, OPS over 1100, 
batting average nearly 400. He gets promoted to high A. Batting average is higher. Slugging is higher. WRC uh, plus, pretty much the same. In 34 games this year, he has six home runs, 11 steals. I mean, he's striking out less in high A than he did in low A. I think he's. And by, by the way, yeah. another way to measure impact, he went to a bad team and made them good. He's the only move they got. They just went on a five game winning streak and are opening another series so they can continue it tomorrow night. Right. Like, I mean, this is he's just... making every impact in every way. You're so you're so dead on correct. Right. I mean, I, I, and similar to Kalai Rosario, looking at this Fangraphs page, I think he's even better right now than he was a week ago when we recorded that other podcast. I mean, just this is every stat I'm looking at. I'm like, this does not seem like a real player. This just seems like someone uh, someone's create a player on MLB the show. That's how good Holiday's been. I think at the very least he should see Double A this year. You don't want to rush him because he's he's only 19, but I think we should see him in Camden next year if he, if he keeps yep. it up like this. I mean, this is just absolutely insane. So, um, shout out Jackson Holiday, a guy we talk about a lot on this podcast, probably almost every episode, and a guy we will continue to talk about because this is just – Not a problem. And I, I enjoy talking about him. Um, and there are two more players I wanted to mention um, before we wrap things up. Uh, first off, my favorite baseball player of all time, Tyler Stevenson. <laughs> Uh, you know, 2018 Daytona Tortuga legend. Um, you know, one of the Tortugas who really got me into into minor league baseball the way that I am today. Um, also shout out to Brantley Bell and T.J. Friedel. But I was actually at Yuri Perez's debut to see Tyler Stevenson, not Perez. Perez was just a bonus, but uh, Tyler was uh Yuri Perez's first career strikeout victim. But in Tyler's second at bat, he got Yuri back with a long home run. To left field so that was really cool to see um that was actually i think the first time i've ever seen a tyler stevenson home run in person even though i've seen him play like 15 16 times oh, wow. probably even more than that i want to say like 17 18 because he's only hit one home run in the game i went to and it was in st lucie in front of 100 people i was in the concourse getting a pretzel and the person was taking so long to make this pretzel my dad got a video of the home run for me but i i did not see it with my own eyes so it's pretty cool you know, in Marlins Park, front and center to see that home run. Got to catch up with Tyler post game. He came over to talk to my dad and I for, you know, a solid five minutes just to catch up. So just one of the nicest players in baseball. And, you know, he's been catching pretty well for the for the Reds. So that was cool. And did you get a chance did you get a chance to mention his name on the podcast we were on? Um yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I said my boy Tyler hit a home run. I, I could have could not mention I can't not mention that detail. Um but another one of my boys, uh, the last player I, I want to mention, uh, for well, there's a lot more players I could mention on this podcast, but um, we're gonna keep it keep it there for now. The last player we'll talk about is uh, my boy Edric Felix from FGCU. Um, my dad and I uh, last week went to uh, Boca to see uh, FGCU take on the Owls. Uh, you know, I, I I love this FGCU team. You know, they. Uh, they actually took my dad and I on the field uh, to take a picture with them. It was really cool. It was uh, Edric, Brian Ellis, Harrison Povey, and Stephen Wilmer. So shout out to those four. Um, always a pleasure pleasure seeing them at, at the ballpark. And Edric Felix, I mean, I, I – in any MLB team out there, it would be very wise to draft him. He was just named the A-Sun Conference Baseball Player of the Year. First time an FGCU player was uh, received those honors since 2017. Um, 
Let's see. He holds numerous school records in just his first season as an Eagle. Uh, Single-season home run record, 23 home runs. Total bases, 178. Slugging percentage, 791. He leads the league in home runs with those 23 home runs. And in all of college baseball, there are only five hitters who have more home runs than Edric Felix. Um, but Edric Felix is sixth in all of NCAA in home runs at 23. He's going to be leading my Eagles uh, in the uh, regionals this week. And, you know, um, I'm pretty confident in his abilities. I really like what I've seen from him in the uh, games I've uh, watched him play. And he's also just one of the nicest players out there. Uh, you know, it was really cool. I was uh, talking with some of the players before the game in Boca last week, and Edric walked up to my dad and I, and he shook our hands. He's like, you know, you're not going to believe it. We, we talk about you all the uh, talk about you guys all the time. We really appreciate the support. So that was just really cool to see. And, you know, he's like, would you like a picture? And we're like, yeah, sure. He's like, let me go put on the, my jersey real quick because he was in his, you know, practice attire. So just a, you know, genuinely down-to-earth guy, especially for someone who's the best player in his conference this year. So shout-out Edric Felix. Shout-out Harrison Povey, Brian Ellis, Stephen Wilmer, and all the FGCU Eagles, and good luck in the regionals this week. You're a part of a good team. You yeah, know, you I mean, go to the same college. You want you want the same stuff. So that's that's real support. That's kind of like when baseball is fun, high level fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, they call us Dunk City because of the uh, you know improbable Sweet Sixteen run about a decade ago. Exactly a decade ago, actually. Was, but right, um, you know. Turning into Dinger City with all these home runs, so uh, take it. yeah, I'm really excited to uh, continue to support this team, and um, you know, going to be interesting to see when we can find time to do another one of these. Uh, I'll have some days off from from my internship, so I'm sure we'll find time. But you know, as of Friday, I'll be uh, watching baseball. I guess you know, might as well give a brief synopsis of what I'm be doing for our viewers here. I'm going to be uh, right now perfect game tournaments. Uh, filming, uh, tweeting out the, the highlights, giving brief scouting reports, and then at the end of the day, uh, turning those scouting reports into actual articles. So that's that'll be what I'll be up to from end of May to end of July. So I'll have a busy two months, but uh, will be interesting to see if the next time we do this, uh, do one of these, if Ellie Dela Cruz will be in the majors yet or not. So um, a lot of interesting storylines to follow, but I hope to speak with you on this podcast, you know, very soon. I, you know, always enjoy doing these and uh, giving, uh, you know, some players in the in low A in college and even the rookie leagues who aren't talked about enough, giving them a, a spotlight. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely try to find, find time. On uh, behalf of our audience, good luck at work, and I'm sure you'll – even though you're on someone else's schedule, you'll see plenty of interesting baseball that will motivate you to discuss it and share it with others. So good yeah. luck. Yeah, no, and thank you again for uh, being the one who originally sent me the application because I was looking for something like this, and, you know, I just greatly appreciate it. Um, I'm sure we'll meet up at a uh, an FCL Orioles game this summer. And, you know, I mean, in 2021, you and I saw Jackson Holiday, Justin Crawford, Kamar Johnson, uh, Drew Jones, Cam Collier, and uh, many others. I mean, Jason wow. Jones, who's doing well in college. So um, a lot of guys in perfect game who go on to be, you know, really good prospects. And, of course, major leaguers as well. So I'm sure I'll see a lot of talent 
uh, down to Fort Myers this summer and a lot of talent to talk about, of course. So Absolutely. Yeah, so this is a fun episode. A lot of good names uh, we, we brought to light. So uh, that about does it for now. So thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for future episodes and peace out.